Greetings and salutations, seekers of lost knowledge. Is it the arcane, the mysterious, or the forbidden that you seek? Enter, for the knowledge is here for the taking, but use it wisely. I am your DM, Scott, and you're stepping into the Grognards Observatory. This week we're talking about the Death Angel. This week we journey deeper into the bowels of the Lyceum beneath the dojo. We are journeying all the way back to Dragon Magazine in April 1977. That's right, we're in the 19s. For my millennial listeners, to give you an idea of how long ago that was, DM Bill was only in his mid-500s. Yes, it was so long ago that our very own gaming Methuselah had a hairline. In 1977, Dragon Magazine gave us a short article on the Death Angel. This name conjures up warm and fuzzy images of toga-clad angels and, well, no, not really. These guys were the alternate universe versions of the angels you and I were used to hearing about in Sunday school. While these guys didn't necessarily have a goatee to prove that they were the evil twins of the halo-wearing angels we are used to seeing depicted in medieval art, they were still pretty bad. Here's how they looked. So the Death Angel appeared in an article by one John Sullivan in the April 1977 issue of Dragon Magazine. They were neutral aligned. Their hit dice were seven eight-sided dice. So before the uh, challenge ratings, we determined how uh, badass a monster was by their hit dice. There was always one. Whenever it appeared, just one. Not two, not three, not ten, not twenty, just one. Their movement was... 12 or 20, and their armor class was 4. You didn't get any treasure from killing these guys. The Death Angel got one attack with a Death Scythe for 1d12 points of damage and a save versus death at minus 3. They're described as highly intelligent and speak all languages telepathically. They act as either an oracle's warning, a being or party of death, or they represent death itself being under a mission to kill a particular person or creature. When killed, death angels vanish entirely, leaving no remains whatsoever. They have the abilities of teleportation as well as flying with their golden wings. Their teleport has no chance of failure, but they can not teleport out of melee. Every time a death angel hits with a scythe, their opponent must save versus death with a minus three on their saving throw. Should the individual save, they lose one point of constitution, which can only be given back by a clerical restoration or a healer energy spell. Uh, they do not dispel per se, but they can be turned like vampires by a cleric. Back in the old days, our clerics used to be able to turn undead, which means they could scare them away. But they will come back the next day or night, for they have no choice but to fulfill their mission of death. Those successfully killed by death angels actually become one after three days, unless a raised dead attempt is made. A normal raised dead will not work, only a raised dead fully will. And even then, it will only raise the victim like a regular raised dead, back in the old days anyway. Also, when rolling for percentile chance for raising, roll as if the victim's constitution were a three. A wish will work automatically to raise them. If being is killed three times by a death angel... Nothing, not even a wish, will bring them back. See, back in the old days, when you were dead, you were dead. It, it was a lot harder to stay alive in old school D&D than it is today. These death angels are fingers of fate, and thus they, uh, utilize, they are utilized by very powerful entities like gods, demigods, some liches, and a small handful of evil high priests of 20th level or higher 
They're 95% resistant to all magic. Back then, magic resistance, I should say, was based on a percentile, 95% resistant. Well, that's pretty good. They'll only attack their intended victim, ignoring everybody else. So the rest of the party's safe. You guys can stand by and watch your friend being killed by the death angel. And they'll leave after killing him, either teleporting or flying away. And as much as death angels will return again and again to kill their intended victim, the only way to permanently dispel death angels is to throw or remove curse upon them if they are slain battling their intended victim. This will allow them to go to eternal peace, which they only find by killing a victim and having it replace them. So if they kill you, they get to go on to their internal peace and you become their official replacement. Even if the body's burned, a victim of a death angel will always rise up three days later as a death angel, and therefore they can no longer be more than one death angel serving any one master. So one at a time. They can only have one death angel under their employ. So how would these look in 5th edition? Well, to scratch the surface, if I were to bring them up to speed with the current edition of D&D, I would increase their movement to 30 and make that not necessarily a walking speed, but a hovering speed. And only because nothing is more frightening than a harbinger of death itself floating towards you. They had an armor class of four, which works out to be about a 16 in today's terms. The death save at minus three, I would call that a constitution saving throw and apply the minus three to that. Or to really up the stakes, uh, make it a constitution saving throw at disadvantage. In a campaign, I would probably use the Death Angel as a minion of a warlock's patron, especially if that warlock has made, up, made the patron angry for some reason. If my big bad was a lich, I was certain to have some Death Angels at their beck and call. If I was going to make a Death Angel the centerpiece of an adventure, I would certainly use it as the big bad in a Halloween one-off. Something along the lines of certain high-ranking officials in a town or city are dying suddenly and mysteriously. The characters would have to conduct an investigation as to why the sudden deaths are happening. Some eyewitness statements all mention a being that looks like a death angel. This death angel will eventually lead the characters to the home of a woman who had in some way been wronged by these high-ranking city officials. Oh, maybe her husband was killed by them, imprisoned, and then died in prison. Perhaps her children were killed, or, and these high-ranking officials were responsible in some way, shape, or form. In any event, this woman is a witch and has unlocked the secrets to summoning a death angel. She has been using this death angel as a means of revenge against those that wronged her. And that's this week's journey into the Grognards Observatory featuring the death angel. This is your DM, Scott. We'll see you next time in the dojo.